His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And we are well into summer. Indeed. It is sweat hot. It's hot. It is hot. I don't know. Um, other people that live in the Midwest or have visited the Midwest can can confirm. It sucks. <laughs> the summer here sucks. Mostly because it's so humid. Mm-hmm. I can deal with with hot and dry. Oh, yeah. But when the air feels like, it's like if you're washing a blanket mm-hmm. and you take it out of the dryer when it's not completely dry. So it's like hot and damp. Mm-hmm. That's what the air feels like in Missouri right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so go shower, get freshened up, get on a clean outfit to go about your day and then wrap yourself in that hot blanket just as you walk outside. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much ready to just go back inside, honestly. Yeah. Summer is not our favorite time. Um, but for a lot of people, summertime means vacation time. Mm. Means, you know, road trips and, you know, maybe theme parks or the Sights- zoo, yeah. sightseeing, things of that nature. Camping. Ugh. Hey, I, I spent several years camping. I mean, I, not all in one shot, but. I'm not an outdoorsy person when it comes to i like to visit the outdoors i don't want to sleep there (laughs) right no for me growing up summer vacations was usually uh my parents you know loading my sister and i into the car and we would go to st louis and go to the zoo and the science center or we would go to six flags and uh, occasionally we would go to uh, branson we'd go to silver dollar city One year we got to go to Disney World, Mm -hmm. the year I was 12. That was fun. I've only been to Disney World that one time. I would love to go back, but I also don't want to go to Florida. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) So no doubt. No offense to any of our listeners who live in Florida, but um, granted, your governor's not much better than ours, but still. Yeah, yours is just in the news a lot more. Yeah, that's fair. And for everybody everywhere else in the world, I hope you're staying cool. Yes, so this week we are discussing road trip horror movies. I actually let I let David pick. Yeah, yes, you did. I that sounds weird. It sounds like I am the like the boss of the show, which I'm kind of not. You are the showrunner of this show. Okay, but I don't tell you what to do. I do ask for your opinion. Right, right. I mean, we you're you kind of run the the general sh- show, and I quip and then regret it because then i gotta edit (laughs) yeah so i basically i gave david like five to six movies and it was like just pick two i don't care which two you pick just pick two and so that's what we're doing today well actually one of our previous episodes helped me pick one of them which one we were doing uh, exploitation films and grindhouse horror. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because one of the documentaries we watched about the, the emergence of the grindhouse cinema was actually our first film. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, 
So I thought it might be fun before we get into discussing our movies and stuff to talk about our own like road trip kind of stuff. Mm. So there's two main things I have as far as like uh, intro road trip conversation. Okay. You and I have been on a couple road trips together. Yeah, short ones. Yeah. Uh, usually, yeah, we've never been on particularly long road trips yet. I'm trying to figure out. I think driving to my grandparents' farm in Illinois is probably like the longest we've ever been is in a car together. Yes. Because that's about four hours. Yes. Okay. So what is your preferred entertainment? Music and conversation. Music and conversation. And and with music and conversation, I would say if you throw in a musical like Rent, I will gladly sing along. We, yeah, uh, this, my, my thing for the longest time I was taking, like, if I had to drive to like a family thing, I was usually driving alone. Mm-hmm. And so... At one point, I had a car that had a six CD changer. And so I would just load that up with like my three favorite musicals and like a stand up comedy album and then like a couple mix CDs back when that was a thing. Nice. And I would basically just assign myself a part in the musical. So and we've done that with Rent Mm -hmm. where you you tend to prefer Mark. Yeah. Which is a bummer because I also tend to prefer Mark. I can do Roger if you want me. <laughs> if you want to take Mark, I'll do Roger. No, and I usually end up doing the the women's parts. Well, see, that's tricky because I have a tendency to also want to do. For some reason, I know Mimi's parts better than I know Roger's parts for like "Would You Light My Candle" and all that jazz. So. Yeah, yeah. No, all that I jazz get that. is a different show. That is true. All that jazz is a different show. It's a cabaret. No, Chicago. No? Oh yeah. All that jazz is the opening move, opening piece for Chicago. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I tend to prefer talking. We never really did road like we never really did like games in the car when I was a kid. Yeah, it was usually I us- I had my Game Boy and I would usually play Tetris pretty much the whole way up. Now, when I was younger, there were things like I Spy, and it also depended like if you were traveling with, like if I was traveling with other kids. Then I can tell you right now, my way to pass the time would be to make myself conk out. Yeah. And then I'd wake up and I'd be wherever we're going because I don't know. Childhood and travel for me, it was I am being dragged about by by an obligation that I didn't sign up for. Yeah. I remember I was not one of those kids who could easily fall asleep in the car. And so usually whenever we were on our way home... It was, you know, mom and dad in the front, Jesse and I in the back. Mom and Jesse had no problems falling asleep. But I just, I just couldn't. I don't know what it was about being in the car where I couldn't quite get to fall asleep. I could get very relaxed, Mm -hmm. but I would never completely fall asleep. So I would just be in the back seat, you know, with my eyes closed in a very relaxed state, listening to whatever it was dad had put on to keep himself awake. By the time we got to where we had a car with a CD player, it was almost always Frampton Comes Alive. Nice. Which is one of the only live albums I actually like. And I think it's just because I associate it with those family road trips and my dad. See, I think of Frampton Comes Alive and I think of Do You Feel Like I Do, which was a, a, a great song to splice into a metal show back in the day when I was on radio. Oh, Okay. So what are your favorite road trip snacks? Or how do you feel about like road trip snacks and drinks? In 
in in my in my travels because I mean I did take a lot of road trips with like my mom and Philip and just like like I wouldn't really need a snack because I would actually sit in the back. It was a cargo van, okay. So it looked like a regular van, but like there was a bulkhead and then like all of our stuff like for the shows and stuff we were going to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make myself a little nest with moving blankets and just cocoon and shut down. I mean, I would be in total darkness with my Walkman and like Pearl Jam or, um, you know, The Cure or something like that playing and just go. Yeah. Um, But as far as snacks, there are snacks that, I don't know, snacks and drinks are really tricky because the longer the trip, the more you have to look at things like, okay, is this going to dehydrate me? How is that going to affect me? Uh, Is this going to make me have to pee right away? You know, because... Not everybody can just pull over any second and just go, you know? Right. I know jerky is a popular one for, for those who are carnivorous. Um, nuts. I think nuts are pretty good, but they also pose a choke hazard. So, I mean, you know, I mean, every food poses a choking hazard because, well, you're putting it in your mouth. Well, if you choke on whipped cream, I'm sorry. Um, drinks for me are a little bit more important because my favorite thing isn't snacks on the road. It's stopping to eat somewhere that you can't eat anywhere else, you know, sort of like, well, it's here. And I don't, I don't mean like some destination spot, like uh, Quaker steak and lube, for example. Yeah. I'm talking this truck stop diner looks like it's straight out of um, what's that movie? Like at a truck stop with a diner. There's a lot of those. I don't know Maximum which one. Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that one. Okay. Yes. The one w- that is... The one that is only at... at basically truck- only at a truck... St- okay. Sorry. Yes. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I'm like, which one? What are you talking <laughs> I'm like... I started freaking out because I'm like, wait, are there more movies with truck stops and I don't... There is uh, Legion. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, that has, that has a, a bit at a truck stop. Mm, okay. Well, I mean... Moving on. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair enough. No, so when I was a kid, after we moved to Columbia, or sorry, were you not done? Well, I didn't say the Gatorade. Oh, okay. Drink. What flavor? Doesn't matter. Hydrate. Oh, okay. Coffee for caffeine. That is, yeah. So when I was a kid, uh, after we moved to Columbia, a lot of the times our road trips were like back up to like Hannibal or to my grandparents' farm in Illinois. So we would always basically take the same route. Mm-hmm. So if we, we were going to visit family, we would almost always stop at the Casey's General Store in Ladonia. Mm. And my sister and I's preferred snack, I don't think they even make these anymore. They were deli mustard Gardettos. Mm-hmm. And which Gardettos, it's kind of like Chex Mix where it's like a, a snack mix. But these, the deli mustard Gardettos were just pretzels. And... That was one of our favorite things. Uh, drinks, it kind of depended on how we were feeling. I remember when they started making the Starbucks Frappuccinos in the glass bottle. Mm-hmm. And I got old enough that I was allowed to drink coffee. I would usually get one of those. Because it was like, it was a treat, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Occasionally, we would stop in Kingdom City. Like on our way home, we would stop. There was a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And we would stop at Taco Bell and... You know, things, that kind of thing. I don't know. My Just thinking of Taco Bell and road trip gives me terrors. Yeah. Honestly, at this point, my go-to whenever you and I are going on a road trip 
is on our way out of town, stop at Starbucks. Yep. We both, I get a latte, you get an Americano, maybe we both get a sandwich. Yeah. And because I'm so focused on driving, I'm not really snacking. Right. And you don't really like to eat in the car. I really don't. So it's more about keeping ourselves caffeinated. And (laughs) to the point where like, when we did our first like, vacation vacation Mm -hmm. together, where we actually like, stayed in a hotel and we're you know out of town for a couple days i was like looking in the starbucks app to see is like okay where is the closest starbucks to where we are right now because i need another latte (laughs) look i need my caffeine i need my caffeine a certain way (laughs) very particular yes that's why you and i balance out exactly because if if they forget to put coffee in hers she can just take some of mine That almost never happens. No, but it has happened before. It has happened, yes. So the first movie we are going to talk about today is 1981's Road Games. Indeed. So the plot, a laid back American truck driver in South Australia starts to suspect a man driving a green van of killing young women along his route and proceeds to play a cat and mouse game in order to catch him red handed. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. Directed by Richard Franklin, screenplay by Everett DeRoche. The cast is pretty small. Yeah. We've got Stacey Keach as Pat Quid, Jamie Lee Curtis as Pamela, also known as Hitch. She also calls her Hitch. Yeah, but she does not like it. No. Marion Edward is Frida. Mm-hmm. Grant Page is the killer who they call Smith or Jones. Mm-hmm. And Alan Hopgood is Lester. So this... Hmm... My first thought about this movie is I got to thinking about being a long haul trucker Mm -hmm. because that's essentially that that's what Quid does. He's an American, but he's a long haul trucker in Australia. Although he says he's not a trucker. He's he drives a truck, but he's not a trucker. Yeah. And I'm like, you're really you're really quibbling about the terminology. I feel like he says that to not lock himself into a stereotype or lifestyle. Yeah, I guess. But like then goes through and follows all the tropes of said right yeah yeah like he's got a set of rules but he breaks every one of them yeah so i got to thinking because i there have been people in my family who have been long-haul truckers Mm -hmm. my grandpa was a long-haul trucker briefly Mm -hmm. and um so was my aunt's one of my aunt's fathers and my brother-in-law did it for a little while too Mm -hmm. and i just got to thinking about how boring that must have been before like podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that <laughs> so self-serving i love it because well because here's the thing i i kind of wish my grandpa was still was still with us so i could ask him like what did you do to pass the time yeah because it's just you in your truck for hours mm-hmm. and yeah you've got the radio but you can only listen to music for so long before I feel like you start to kind of like get bored, maybe. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe my my weird brain is just like I couldn't I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I feel like boredom is something you build up an endurance for. It's not it's not really like a I don't have tolerance and you do and this and that. And it, like I mean, boredom sucks. Yeah. But like if it's the only thing keeping you awake, then play on music, play on. 
But I feel like this movie is basically what happens when you don't have a podcast or an audiobook to distract you. <laughs> you get Snoopy. Mm, yeah. And you start to make up scenarios for people on the road. And then you end up accidentally attracting the attention of a serial killer. Yeah, basically. I mean, and and all sorts of other trouble, too. Right, precisely. If Quid had had access to us or Friday the 13th or perhaps it's you, you know. Yeah. He would have been thoroughly entertained and not, I don't know. But instead, he likes to play games with himself. I know. It's so weird. (laughs) Like, I get it. Because he's got a rule. He doesn't, he doesn't take passengers. He doesn't pick up hitchhikers, typically. Except for when he does. Which he does at least twice. Right. So a lot of this movie is basically just you watching Stacy Keach talk to himself (laughs) and his dog. And. Which he swears is a dingo. Which he swears is a dingo, but apparently it, it, apparently it turns out later that it's not. Right. Because dingoes don't bark. And at one point the dog does bark. Like, towards the very end of the movie. Yeah. He's like, oh, he barks. I guess he's not a dingo. But there's this, he makes up stories for people that he sees on the road. So there's like a family in a car and he's like, oh, this, that guy must be an accountant. His wife really gives him a hard time, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I love he later ends up picking up that woman as a hitchhiker because her husband kicked her out of the car in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I'm just like, I was just like, really? And I... I can't imagine being so annoyed with you that I'm just like, all right, get the fuck out of my car and just leaving you in the middle of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. That has happened to me. I didn't do that. No, no, no. Like I've gotten snippy with you mm-hmm. on a road trip. And that's mostly because driving in and around St. Louis and St. Louis County is so stressful. Yeah. It's any again. Anyone who's driven in or around St. Louis can 100% verify it's so nobody uses their signals. People are people speed like crazy. Yeah. Like this, the speed limit is the starting speed instead of the ending speed. Right. Exactly. But at least they're not Connecticut drivers. No offense, Connecticut, but every Connecticut driver I've seen out of state is like barely hitting the the off ramp. They're like hitting barrels and shit. Yeah. But, like, you and I, our, our first, like, vacation road trip, once we started to get closer to St. Louis, I remember repeatedly asking you, I'm going the speed limit, right? Yes. Because I was sure that, like, I was like, is my speedometer broken? Am I going too slow? No. But we have never had such a bad fight in the car that I have said, fuck it, and kicked you out. And neither has my mom. I asked. Oh, for me? For my, no, for her oh, and my dad. Because we haven't, your mom and I haven't had a fight. No. Okay. No, her and my dad. Okay. Now, I remember instances as a kid where if we were going in the St. Louis area, once we started getting close, the rule was you girls need to be quiet mm-hmm. because dad is driving in, your dad is driving in St. Louis and it stresses him out. And I did not understand that for the longest time. And now I do. Now you do. And dad, I am so sorry. <laughs> Well, what's funny is, you know, I also have a tendency to adapt to my environment around me and having observed you for over a decade driving, Mm -hmm. you know, I know when we get near a major metro area, it's no more entertainment time. Now it's, okay, I need to know navigation points. I need to know what our exit is. I need to know what streets we need to go. So I'm like, as, as we're getting into that, like... You know, billboards, weird billboards in some places. Jungle Law. <laughs> Jungle Law. Jungle Law is the best one. Which is funny because, like, <laughs> all of their stuff was about 
did you get a conviction for marijuana? And I'm like, it's legal now, bro. It's legal now, yeah. Um, but, but like both of the movies that we that we discussed today have a dude randomly dumping his wife on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, or it's suggested that he did that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like the writers of both of these films don't have a very high opinion of women. <laughs> well, I mean, given the general misogynistic culture, it doesn't surprise me. That's fair. I'm not, that's not an excuse for it. I'm just saying that's, that's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a product of that pool. Yeah, exactly. I am a little confused on, so Quid suspects this guy in the green van of like basically like burying remains in the middle of the desert. Yeah, because he just sees this guy with floofy hair like digging. He's like, why would you be digging out in the desert? I'm like, I don't know, buried treasure? Why does it always got to be body parts? Can it be buried treasure? Well, and the the middle-aged woman that he picked up whose husband dumped her out of the car is like, maybe it's garbage. Yeah, maybe it's just burying garbage. Maybe it's just burying trash. Yeah. You know? (laughs) But he's like, I have to get to this, uh, there's this roadhouse up the way. I have to get there so I can call the police. And I'm like, you have a CB radio. Yeah. Why didn't he just use that to call the authorities? The police? Or somebody. I mean. Like, reach out to somebody else and be like, hey, this is my, this is where I'm at. Or this is where I was. Latitude, longitude kind of deal. I don't know. The, the the plot summary for this movie acts like he does a lot of sleuth work, and really he does op- he does very little. He does very little, and yes. It's a lot of, I saw something that looked kind of weird, and now I'm just doing a lot of wild conjecture. Yeah, and any authority figure he runs across, he goes, no, you gotta believe me. It's like, why do we have to believe you? You have no real evidence. Yeah. I do love at one point that he gets pulled over by the cops and they're asking him about this, uh, this hitchhiker that disappeared and Quid asks the cop, um, what happened to her? And the cop is like, what makes you think something happened to her? And I'm like, I don't know, because you're cops and you pulled him over and you started asking questions about this random hitchhiker. Right. Like you wouldn't be asking questions about her if she was perfectly fine. Like, (sighs) Have you seen my wife the last three nights? No, what happened to her? Why would you think something happened? Because you're asking. Exactly, yeah. So Where I mean, were you this... Yeah. It's so. It's very weird. I also love that he's able to get... Because um, there was... I can't remember, was it a strike that was preventing the meat from being transported? Yeah, there's some, there's some sort of strike. And so he has to drive... It's a meat worker strike. It's a meat worker strike. And so he has to drive, like, all these, um, like, sides of pork. Yeah, from Melbourne to to Perth. Perth? Yes. So, cross country. Yes. And... (laughs) And, I mean, it's on the news in the movie. So, so like, they're like, well, we're going to need you to stick around for questioning. He's like, I'm sorry. No can do. I've got meat in my truck that has to get to Perth. I love that they're like, people need their meat. It's like, well, yes. But also... I mean, I find that... Maybe support striking workers. That too. But I would say from my experience in Australia, I would say, yeah, probably deliver the meat. Okay. Um, (laughs) I would like to briefly bring up the um, Pam and Quid May-December romance. Yeah. That I feel is completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because um, uh... even in their conversation, she's basically, he's almost old enough to be her dad. 
And he almost talks to her like a father figure. He too. does. It's but it's super weird because he also like he tells her his whole theory about this guy in the green van, and she's all over it because she's it's interesting. Yeah, you know. So they are at. They eventually get to this one like gas station type thing Mm -hmm. and they see the green van and they decide they're going to investigate. So he figures out that there's somebody in the bathroom, which shoes does not equal person or that it's even the correct person. Number one. Right. Number two, one thing that he says, he's like, basically he says like murdering women is one thing, but you attacked my dog. And I'm like, okay, so you care more about your dog than all these murdered women. That's kind of fucked up. That he doesn't even acknowledge it's a dog. He's like, no, it's a dingo. Right. Well, and then here's the other thing. There's only one way in or out of this bathroom. Why did he have to go inside? Why couldn't he just stand by the door, keep his eyes on Pam? Because Pam is investigating the van. Because the whole thing is, because he goes inside the restroom, she ends up getting kidnapped by the killer. Because guess what? The killer is not the one that's in the bathroom. It's some other dude on a motorcycle. Yeah. Though I do love that Quid tries to steal the motorcycle and then immediately crashes it. Yes. That I find it, hilarious. It's, ni- it's nice to see real world failure. You know, like, hey, have, have you ever you know, ridden a motorcycle before? Right. It's like, I'm going to commandeer this motorcycle. Lol, just, just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> Only jokes. He's laid it down for you gently. Sorry. Like, oh, sorry. Bye. <laughs> but like, he just kind of lets her go. Mm-hmm. And then he's all like offended, acting like she wanted to go and thinking like, oh, maybe these two people, it's just a, they were just fucking with him. And it's like this whole setup. Like, and even if it was, like, she doesn't owe him anything. So him being acting like he was owed something by her, it just kind of, it really bothered me. Although I started, started to think it would be really cool and kind of subversive if it turned out that she was the killer. That would be cool. Right? All right, Australia. Balls in your court. Remake Rogue Games. Make make the Pam character the killer. Shit, Just I'll the re- entire nation of Australia. Someone work, work pay together. me to write it. Someone give me money and, I will, and, and I'll write it. Yeah, no more spec scripts. Right, seriously. But no, it does turn out that there is a killer and he had Pam kidnapped. Or he kidnapped Pam because she was, you know, investigating his van. Yeah. I.e. trespassing. I.e. getting all up in his shit. Right. But, um, yeah, so he gets captured. Pam and Quid go off on their own. And then they show this uh, scene at the end where they're cleaning. One of these meat trucks is being cleaned. And uh, the head of one of the victims pops out because the guy stashed it in Quid's truck for some fucking reason. But the thing I thought was weird about that scene is that um, there is a woman in there cleaning this meat truck by hand Mm -hmm. with a sponge and a bucket. Yes. And I'm like, I seriously doubt something like that would be cleaned by hand by one person. I think it would probably have been faster and more efficient to use a power uh, pressure washer. Yeah. So in theory. Yeah. Like maybe use the pressure washer for most of it. And if there's like one part you can't quite get, that's the part you scrub. Yeah. But like cleaning that entire huge truck from top to bottom by hand just doesn't seem feasible. You're talking the inside of the trailer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any additional thoughts about this film? I have a couple pieces of trivia, but I was going to like. I just wanted to talk about the music. I got so excited when I saw the composer was Brian May. 
not that bright. I got really excited that it was Brian May, the guitarist from Queen. And I was like, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. And then I looked and it's, it is not. <laughs> it is not, but, but, and there, there is a but. He, uh, brought this Brian May, first of all, did the music for Cloak and Dagger, which you sat through. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah, that movie. He did the music for Blood Moon, so that's a shout out to Lucas. He did the music for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Arguably the worst Freddy Krueger movie? I'm just saying, you know, little nostalgic bits. Okay, you know? okay. But yeah, he's... he's. How fucking sick would it have been, though, if, if Brian May from Queen had written the score? Oh, God. Yeah. That would have been fucking cool. Like, I don't know, I was just, you know, give me like three weeks, here you go, boom, done. There you go, bye, bye. Uh, so I have two pieces of trivia for this film. Mm-hmm. The first is Stacy Keach was not the first person that they wanted for this role. That does not surprise me. And I don't mean that in any negative way towards Stacy Keach. No, but... no. Stacy Keach is fine. But the director originally wanted Sean Connery. Oh, oh that, would, that would have been awful. Well, or great. They were unable to afford his salary. Wow. So that's why they went with Stacy Keach instead. And interestingly, um, Jamie Lee Curtis was actually not originally in this film. Hmm. She was not supposed to be. There was an Australian actress. But the the U.S. production company wanted an American star to kind of like bring in more people. And so said, hey, let's do Jamie Lee Curtis, even though she's barely in it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, okay, so she's in it longer than like Jason, Jason Statham in uh, In the Name of the King. Uh, in it longer than longer than a cameo, but I don't know. Like she, it seems like she'd be in there as an established character from the time she comes in. You're about half an hour into this movie before she shows up. Yeah, and it's an hour and a half film. She has maybe 15 minutes total of screen time. I think maybe 20. Maybe but, I mean that's that's it's being generous. Yeah. Uh, so this film has also been cited by Quentin Tarantino as one of his favorites. Okay. Yeah. Which makes sense. Uh, and it also served as an influence in Australian director Greg McLean's Wolf Creek, which we, I think we've talked about before. So I'm just, as far as my review for this, this is, I gave it one skull. Okay. Because I, I found this film honestly a little boring. Mm-hmm. I, I expected more from a film about someone's you know stalking a serial killer who's butchering women across australia i expected there to be more i guess and a large selling point for this movie that a lot of people do is they're like oh jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis and then she's barely in it Mm. so yeah i one skull for me okay i would say this for me i gave this film two okay um just because this what this is kind of I guess for me, I appreciated the the dull moments. Okay. Because, because it kind of gets you in this in this spot of, I'm just driving across the country. And it's not driving city to city to city. It's like cutting across the country. So it, it, it kind of evoked that we're driving across the country feel of there's going to be periods of time, three, five minutes. I mean, not in the film, but like there's going to be periods of time where there's no conversation. Or there's nothing really jamming on the radio or, you know, 
don't know, it, it, it's one of those movies I, I feel like I just kind of settled into and just kind of let it happen. Yeah. I found Stacey Keach's character to be likable in in a character of that time. So, like, I like the person, not the things he said. Does that okay. make sense? No, that makes sense, yeah. Um, like, I, I, like, I feel like if that character was still driving truck, not a truck driver, but a person who drives a truck. Yeah. Today, you probably wouldn't, I can hope anyway, be quite as derogatory towards people in general. But, you know, I mean, you can only wish for the best. Yeah, there's a couple things I kind of had to chalk up to, like... Of the times. Of the times or of the past. Like when he gets to that roadhouse, mm-hmm. there is this mural that goes all around the inside of soldiers massacring and enslaving indigenous aboriginal people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that's, I hope this is not a real place. And if it is, I hope that mural's not still there. It probably is. It, it probably was real. There's been some improvements since then. Uh, I, you know, not being a resident of Australia or anything, you know, I mean, I can't speak fully on it, but from what I've read, there has been some improvement there. Uh, but overall, I gave it two skulls because it it ticked a box to say I've seen more than just what we did for our, our uh, Grindhouse episode Yeah, within the genre. So I've kind of seen the slowest and I've also seen much more fast paced stuff. Right. Variety. Fair. So you're ready to move on to our second film? Yes, I am. Yay. This is another one of those instances where people are probably going to be like, that's not really a horror film. But here's the thing. I ask you to put yourself in the situation that these people are in and and try and tell me that that would not be terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Especially as a woman. Now, it's not to say that, you know, women have cornered the market on being scared. But like, overall, I feel like the situation that the wife is in in this movie is worse than the situation that the husband is in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's not to say that that men can't get kidnapped too. It, I mean, human trafficking and and kidnappings happen all around the world every day. Yeah. So, so the next movie we are talking about is 1997's Breakdown. Indeed. It's got Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. Uh, so basically, the plot of this, uh, a man searches for his missing wife after their car breaks down in the middle of the Arizona desert. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes a ride in a, in a semi to go get help and never comes back, basically. Uh, directed by Jonathan Mostow, screenplay mm-hmm. by Jonathan Mostow and Sam Montgomery. The cast, as I mentioned, we have Kurt Russell um, as Jeff Taylor. J.T. Walsh is Warren Red Barr. Kathleen Quinlan is Amy Taylor. M.C. Ganey is Earl. Jack Noseworthy is Billy. Rich Brinkley is Al. Moira Harris is Arlene Barr. And Rex Lynn is Sheriff Boyd. So one of the things I clocked pretty early on in this film is... I don't remember if it is... um, Jeff or Amy that talks about how they decided to take the scenic route because they are, they both got new jobs and they are driving cross country from Massachusetts, Massachusetts to San Diego. Yes. The state of Massachusetts to the city of San Diego. Yes. And one of California, right. People always want to take the scenic route in movies 
they're like, oh, let's get off the highway and we'll take the scenic route, the road right. less traveled. Sometimes the road less traveled is less traveled for a reason. No offense to Robert Frost. Some offense. But, well, you know. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to take, I'm going to stay on the highway for as long as I possibly can because the highway is well maintained and there are, for the most part, there are rest stops. If something happens to my car, it will be easy for someone to find me. Mm-hmm. Not out in the middle of the desert in Arizona, where the closest rest stop is several miles away. Like, mm. no. Yeah, that's no joke either. Not so, like several miles walking through the desert. Um, Trust, been there. So they they stop to get, you know, gas and some snacks and... As they're driving on again, their their car breaks down, and it's like a brand new Jeep. Like they're not, they haven't even finished paying it off yet. Yeah. And Red in the in his you know semi truck comes up and says like, "Hey, why don't you guys get in? I'll take you to the nearest gas station." But Jeff doesn't want to leave the car, right? Which I kind of understand. It's got all their stuff in it, and it's they're still paying on it. So Amy decides she's like, I'll go to the this, you know, diner or whatever that he says is up the road. I'll call a tow truck. I'll be back here in a little while. And hours go by. And after doing he doesn't even initially do very much looking in the in the under the hood to figure out what's wrong with the car. So he does a little bit more digging and realizes it's just like some wires have been unplugged, basically. So he gets to this truck stop and or diner and nobody has any idea what the fuck he's talking about nobody has seen her nobody has seen the semi and um eventually it comes to pass that there is this group of men who this is kind of what they do they they find people that are traveling you know cross country and they rob them and then murder them essentially yeah because at one point he's being chased by Earl, who is in the, a pickup truck and he's got a gun and he just drives his Jeep into the river, which I know he had a gun, but why would you drive your Jeep into the river? It doesn't have one of those snorkel things like Pierce Brosnan and Dante's Peak. Or that one we saw the other day. I know we got to see one of those in real life the other day when I was driving you to work. It was great. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, look, it's one of those things. Like not an adult would say. But that vehicle is totaled and you already said you're still paying on it. And there's no way that insurance is going to buy that it was an accident, that you accidentally drove your Jeep into a river. I just think it's funny. I don't know. That is funny. I love that Billy has 90s boy band hair. Yes, he does. He's got the straight up curtains. He, he It's very much like late 90s Nick Carter Backstreet Boys hair, mm-hmm. which I just thought was hilarious. I will commend this movie. For doing something that I have never... It caused me to do something that I have never done before in my life. It is a movie that made me do math. Made you do math? Made me... I did math too. I had you do some math, but I also did some. Okay. Yes. So there is an instance in this film where they, they finally get Jeff. And he is basically in the trunk of a 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. And I was watching this and I was like, I don't think he could realistically fit in the trunk of that car. That's why you were asking me about those measurements, huh? I was. That's why I was asking about the measurements. 
Okay. Uh, I did so much Googling to try and figure out the exact make and model of the car, because just looking at it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a Pontiac Firebird. It had a T-top. Mm-hmm. My friend's boyfriend drove one of those in high school. So I did some Googling. I found a website that is, uh, it's like IMDB, but for cars. Oh, cool. So it will tell you what cars are being used in different scenes. So between that and some other stuff, I was able to find a 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. The trunk is 45 inches by 24 inches. I couldn't find anything that specifically said the depth but based on some images that I was able to find and some, you know, working it around, I figured the trunk would probably be 27 to 28 inches deep. And Kurt Russell is five foot nine inches tall. So I think um, myself and you and Dan were able to figure out that it would be a tight squeeze, but he would technically fit. If you don't care about the comfort of your passenger and your passenger is the size of Kurt Russell, it's fine. It's doable. You Basically, you can't have anything else in the trunk, but right. like he did, Billy didn't anyway, so it's fine. Um, I love when Red just kind of shows up at his house. He's got the, you know, his semi is pulling into the garage, and his kid, his greets, kid him. greets him and his wife, and mm-hmm. he's like, why don't you go on in and make breakfast? Because the boys are going to be here soon, because... I would be so mad if I found out that you were secretly robbing and killing people. Because you weren't cut in or because I was doing nefarious things? Because you were doing nefarious things. Like, no joke, I would leap across. If that was me, I would have leapt across that dinner table Mm. and been like, are you fucking serious? But like, because like they have like a secret compartment where they have Amy stashed. Mm -hmm. They stashed her in a freezer. Well, like in the truck itself. Oh, Oh, in the truck itself. Yeah. There's like a like a thing underneath where they're at one point they think she's actually died from exhaust fumes mm-hmm. and they're like, well, Oh, well, I guess she's dead. Yeah. And then she starts kicking and they're like, okay, maybe not. Yay. But like, <laughs> but yeah, then they go and put her in a chest freezer in a locked cellar. That's hidden. That's hidden. Yeah. In a barn. Right. On a at, middle of nowhere, little ranch or farm or know, yeah. dirt farm. Like I love Jeff comes Jeff comes into the kitchen. The 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 son, the little boy is like in the living room playing what was clearly Doom Three. Right. And you know, the wife and Red and Billy, they're all sitting and they're all sitting around talking. And Jeff is trying to get them to let Amy out. So Jeff's got a gun and is like, You're gonna let my wife out. And then the kid comes in with a loaded rifle. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? And I love this kid goes, my daddy keeps his rifle loaded at all times. And immediately I'm like, well, then your daddy doesn't sound like he's a very responsible gun owner. If you, a child who's like, what, eight or nine? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh. I kind of lost sympathy for the wife when, like, she's telling her son to shoot this guy. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It, like, she seemed irritated at first, but then she's like. Fine. She was like, Red, what's going on? What's going on? But then when she kind of... It makes me wonder how much she actually knew. Does that make sense? I'm wondering if it's, you know, play along like life is normal for the kid. Yeah. But she probably knows there's some shit going on. She just doesn't know the extent. Because they live in a really nice house for... It doesn't appear that she works. And they live in a pretty nice house for 
like someone who drives a, a long haul truck. Yeah. And it appears Billy lives on in, in a trailer on their property, too. Yeah. So I, I would say if she knew anything about it, I don't think she knew all the details because she didn't know about the, the space underneath the, the barn. She didn't know everything, but I think she probably had suspicions. Yeah. And maybe one of those situations where it's like, okay, the less I ask questions, probably the better. Well, because, again, the less you know, the less you can tell the cops. Fair. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Jeff does end up getting Amy and they're in a truck trying to escape and being chased by, you know, Billy's in his Trans Am, Red's in his semi truck. Uh, This guy, Al, is in his tow truck. And the thing that I thought was weird about this particular scene is that Jeff is driving, but also holding the gun like he's got like a pistol. Mm -hmm. And so he's like trying to drive and shoot at the same time. Mm-hmm. At one point, and I'm like, dude, just give the gun to Amy. Let her shoot. Like, whatever you've been through, it was ten times worse for her. Let her get a little revenge. Yeah. Or, like, switch seats. Have her drive, and then you shoot. Like, share responsibility. Because I was thinking about you and I in that situation, and I'd be like, I would be driving, you would be shooting. Absolutely. That's a smart decision. Yeah. <laughs> I do love there's an there's a so the climax of the film is the trip the truck the tr- the semi truck is kind of like hanging off of this guardrail which again like my brain started to get in the way because my brain was like I don't think guardrails are that strong I don't think they could hold a truck that size um, but then I just kind of moved on from there and uh, Red ends up falling down to this like riverbank. Yeah. And falling on a rock. And at first you think he's dead, but then he starts to move. And I love where Amy's just like, oh, he's not dead. I'm going to fix that. And just like throws the truck in gear so that the semi goes down and like fucking smashes him. Like and straight I was like, on. I was like, bitch, I fucking love you. You are amazing. Thank you. They will be picking pieces of red out of the grill of that truck forever. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about this film before I get to the trivia and such? I do. Okay, go for it. First thing I want to talk about, the music. Because music sets the tone. It's starting to become thematic for me. Um, I'm cool with that. Basil Polidorius did the music for this. Mm. Name may or may not ring a bell. First of all, he's a Kansas City, Missouri native. What? Cool. So, and I wrote in my notes that you would say that. So, excellent. (laughs) Um, He did the music for Lonesome Dove. Eh, nobody's perfect. Well, okay. But, but... Sorry, I had to read that book in college and I hated it. I mainly said that for your mom because I believe you said your mom liked Lonesome Dove. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Maybe well, she does. Well, maybe not. I guess we'll find out. She'll <clears throat> let us know. But, did the music for Blue, The Blue Lagoon, Conan the Barbarian, Okay. Conan the Destroyer, Red Dawn, Iron Eagle, Robocop, um, a lot of Paul Verhoeven work. Yeah. Um, Spellbinder. The Hunt for Red October. It's a good uh, movie. Here, here's one that'll be a big hit. Mm-hmm. Quigley Down Under. I do know Mom likes that movie. Because Tom Selleck. Um, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Hot Shots Part Two. Free Willy. I mean, he apparently didn't do RoboCop 2, but he did the first one and RoboCop 3. Weird. But, yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh, he also did Starship Troopers. Okay. So, I mean... All over the place. Yeah. Um, 
and I thought the music slapped. I thought the music was great. It didn't get in the way. Nothing jumped out. It was it was very like '90s action thriller kind of music. Yeah, but not necessarily in a bad way. Absolutely not. Um, yep. My first note was literally who did the music. So yeah, that's why I wanted to just lead with that. Um, the wife sleeping with her face uh, kind of cradled by the seatbelt. Yeah, like so it's pulled taut across the chest, but there's there's enough tension to. Kind of hold your head. Yeah. That was actually one of the first arrangements I ever did for, for sleeping was was head resting in seatbelt. Yeah. Until I started having nightmares about the seatbelt decapitating me. Ah. Um, yeah, so I stopped doing that. Uh, I have an issue with the way the oil was checked and refilled. Okay. He didn't appear to look at the dipstick, poured an entire thing of oil in there, and then just put the stick back in. No no checking, no rechecking. Not Like, the oil was not checked, it was just refilled. And Weird. if it's a new vehicle, he shouldn't have to be filling a container of oil. I mean, it's not normal to just put, like, a jug of Pennzoil into your vehicle mid-trip. Right. Well, because I'm, I'm honestly wondering if it's because it was, like, a cross-country trip. They And, like, they were, like, I don't know. Maybe he thought it needed it because they were, you know, they had driven from Massachusetts to Arizona at this point. Yeah. Maybe it was a mileage thing. And, but but he's that's like, an oil change, not just putting more oil in. I don't know. Maybe he, they didn't. He didn't want to stop for long enough to do like an actual oil change, and was figured he would just top it off. I don't know. I'm just saying that I'm was bad the, at cars. Look, I'm not. I'm no mechanic, but that was weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. I love seeing the phone. Oh my god, the giant cell phone. Yes. <laughs> that's all I write anymore is laugh triggers. <laughs> It's such a big phone. <laughs> it is a big phone. You know what they say about guys with big phones, right? No. I don't either. I don't either. Um, so here's the question. Would you rather ride with the trucker or stay with the car, given what is known at that juncture, if that were you and me? I don't know. Stay with the car, probably. My thought has always been safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. So whether go or stay, it's both of us or none of us. Yeah. So I'd say either we both stay, both go. But if there was literally no option, if it were you and me, you'd be driving, I'd go with the trucker. Yeah. I still don't like the feeling of that, though. Yeah, no. That's why we don't take the scenic route. Absolutely. There is some mention about someone being missing, but uh, hasn't been missing for 24 hours, or been missing less than 24 hours. In most cases, I know in the U.S. and Canada, they have uh, repealed anything saying that or any, any type of statutes saying you have to wait 24 hours, or some, in some cases it used to be 48 hours before you can report someone missing. Partic- specifically if it was like a teenage, like an older teenager or an adult. Yeah. Because the, the supposition of, particularly if it's an adult, is, well, they're an adult, maybe they just left. Yeah. And that's what everybody keeps telling this Jeff guy, it's like, maybe she just left. Yeah, maybe she just had enough, decided yeah. to stake it out in Arizona. Right. Um, maybe you had a fight and kicked her out of the car and, you know, there was all kinds. That's what I'm saying. This mentioning earlier when it comes to like, I don't feel like the writers think very much of women is because they're like, well, maybe there is several times in this, in this particular film where they're like, maybe he kicked her out of the car or maybe she got pissed off and threw a fit and blah, blah, blah. Like maybe she decided to leave you and you can't handle it. That kind of deal. Maybe she was too much woman for you. Yeah. City boy. 
you know, there, there's a lot of anti-city, anti-East Coast, which I didn't experience living in Arizona. And I was from moving there from L.A., so I kind of lucked out in that department. Um, Bell's Diner has an interesting lighting situation. Okay. Because it seems like it's all natural light, except for a, like a dim sconce behind behind the bar. Yeah. And this is a diner with a full bar. Yeah, it's less diner with a bar and more bar that occasionally serves food. Did you, did you <laughs> notice in the background that there's like two booths, a pool table, and then some tables yeah. to eat at? So like, you're going to be knocking over my country fried steak that Bill slaved over just to make your shot? Really? Yeah, it's weird. Come on, man. It, it's just a weird layout. I, I love the line, you can't go into a bank looking like that, you're all dirty, so then he gives him a dirty jacket to, to put on that. That was kind of weird. Yeah, because they, for some reason, think he has, like, several hundred thousand dollars in his bank account. And uh, so they want him to empty it and give them the money. Uh, Let's see. Never go downhill without cover in that shootout that involved the uh, state trooper. uh, The one guy that I thought was the guy from 911 Lone Star. MC Ganey? Yeah, I think so. He's not the same guy I already looked, but I, I, I thought he was the, the guy I don't like from Lone Star. No, that's, um, hang on. A hell of an actor because I I hate his guts. So, MC Ganey. Uh-huh. Who was also in Con Air. Yes, he was. So who's the other person I'm thinking of then? I'm looking it up now. Okay. Billy Burke. Billy Burke, okay. This guy. William? He was also Bella's dad in Twilight. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I kind of see it there. Yeah. Now he doesn't look all haggard and dying. Yeah. Fair enough. Anywho. Um, but yeah, seriously, the Kurt Russell goes down this like small embankment on foot and he was dead to rights. Gonna, He was going to be killed easily. Um, but the presumed dead sheriff or highway patrolman or whatever mm-hmm. saved his ass by shooting that guy. I, I love the when uh, the the... That sheriff has been shot and Earl is dead because the sheriff killed him. And Jeff comes up and like takes the radio from the sheriff and goes, shots fired, officer down. But I'm like, did you give a location? I didn't hear him give a location. No. no and then location. he just left. <laughs> no location. Uh, I will definitely say that uh, that chase scene Towards the end with, with the... Multiple vehicles. Multiple vehicles, a semi, a car, you know, a, two cars flanking. That was fun. Yeah. It, it, it's been a while since I've seen like a non-CG chase scene where I'm like, hmm, that, that looks expensive. And, yeah. And not in a good way. Like every bit of damage is just... Oof. And a big shout out to J.T. Walsh and Mustache Guy. They were good villains. Mm-hmm. You, I guess his character's name was Earl that you just showed me a picture of, and I immediately lost his name. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, so speaking of J.T. Walsh, this was actually the final film that he was in that was released during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had several projects that were released uh, posthumously, including mm-hmm. Pleasantville. Yeah. Uh, this was also the fourth film... That J.T. Walsh and Kurt Russell were in together. Really? Yes. The other three films are Tequila Sunrise. Okay. Backdraft, which I've never seen. You've never seen Backdraft? Mm-mm. I've oh, never seen Tequila man. Sunrise either. I haven't either. Uh, and Executive Decision. Oh. oh. Executive Decision I have seen. Look, 
Just seeing Steven Seagal. Boop. Just bloop. Yeah, get his ass <laughs> thrown out into, into the sky. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Swizzle sticks. We're not going to make it. You are. Beat block that. Like, when you try to do a heroic thing, maybe don't bounce off of every single... Surface, surface on your way. Surface yeah. on your way down, because then it's like, okay, you're kind of ruining the moment, dude. Yeah. Uh, so I give this film three stars. Mm-hmm. It is... It's a decent, like, nine, like late 90s action film. The 90s were great when it comes to, like, wild action films. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the concept, I feel like, is legitimately scary. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll, you know, Kurt Russell's super handsome. Yeah, he's all right. Look, I find Kurt Russell attractive. You do you, Lash LaRue. That's cool. Thank you. Um, and again, this is one of the few films that actually made me do math. So, Which is impressive. Well done. I, cons- I don't like math. I know you don't. I was a literature major for a reason. <laughs> so what's your uh, review? I, too, am going Three Skulls. It was enjoyable. I, I said didn't stars, see- didn't I? No, you said skulls. Oh, okay. Pretty sure you did. Yeah, yeah. I'll fix it in post. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, it was like even when it went on weird tangents, like you're gonna get this money and 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 we'll we'll give you your wife sort of thing, and like these little standoff, like mini standoffs before like the big climax and everything. They were just fun. They were like like I mean I didn't have a lot invested, but it was amusing, and so I'm like I want you to do well, sir. You yeah. Do well. Yeah. So, yeah, this was fun. Yeah. You know, I wanted to pick two movies I hadn't seen. Yeah. So that's what I went with. And I I feel like I made a decent choice in at least saying those two movies, done. Well, and when I looked back at the list I had given you, these were two of the movies that featured a lot more people actually being out on the road rather than being stuck in one place. Right. Which, you know, works. I mean, it'd be like, Clerks is not a road trip movie. Hmm, no. <laughs> it's just not. So I have a fun little thing for our wrap up. Okay. So I am born and raised in Missouri. Yes, you are. I have not been out of the state very much. I have been, uh, I've been to California. I've been to Florida twice. Um, but other than that, I'm pretty much just. Illinois. I, I don't count Illinois because I have family there. And I've pretty much, even in Illinois, I've only been to like. That part just over the water. That part just over. Like, it's not like I've been to Chicago. Right. So I have Missouri road trip recommendations. Oh, look at you. All right. All right. So I will go ahead and preface. Most of these are in the eastern part of the state, just because that's mostly where like I've gone to as far as like vacation type stuff in the state. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into Branson just because that's the one that most people know. Um, and if you have recommendations for like the west side of the state, you know, maybe after this episode goes, you know, I don't know, whatever. Oh, and real quick, it's Bell's Diner, not Bill's Diner. I misspoke. Oh, okay. It's just easier than re-recording the piece and slipping it in. Okay. And these are all places that I have been. So I can say they're, they're good. Okay. So the first one is probably the one I have the most experience with, and that is uh, Forest Park in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Forest Park is just this big, beautiful park in the middle of St. Louis. And there is so much to do there, and a lot of it is free. So you have um, 
The Science Center is really close to there. Mm -hmm. There is a history museum. There's the art museum. There is um, one thing that you would have to pay for. There is a an outdoor theater that does productions during the summer. The Muni. The Muni. Um, I've been there once. It's it is outdoors and it's they only perform during the summer. So you kind of have to it's at night and they have like these big fans and stuff. So it's better, but it's still, you know, it's still humid. So it's humid summer in St. Louis with mosquitoes. Right. But the the big thing that we usually did when we went to Forest Park is going to the St. Louis Zoo. Yes. So the St. Louis Zoo is actually it's one of the last free zoos left in the United States. There are a couple scattered throughout, but this one, part of it I feel is because it's, there are a lot of St. Louis based businesses that donate like a lot of money mm -hmm. to keep this place running. Oh yeah. So Anheuser-Busch donates money. The St. Louis Cardinals, I'm, I'm pretty sure do. I know Schnooks does. Schnooks is a St. Louis chain. based grocery yeah. chain, but it's just absolutely beautiful. They've redone it. Mm -hmm. A couple times since I was a kid. So like there's the penguin house is my favorite thing because you go inside and it's like so cold and you can get like right up there to the penguins. And I love penguins so much. Um, they now have a a pool for like um, rays and like little sharks where yep. you could actually pay a little bit extra and get to actually do the touching and stuff. And yeah. that's really cool. There is actually an aquarium in St. Louis, but it is at, um, it's at Union Station. Mm -hmm. So it's a little harder to get to depending on how you feel about driving in St. Louis. Sure. Um, but mom and I actually went to the aquarium last October and that was also amazing. One of the other places that I probably wouldn't have checked out if it wasn't for you. Oh. Okay. Uh, cause I was not really aware of this and that is St. Charles, Missouri. Especially the historic Main Street. Specifically historic Main Street. So there is, um, you go to St. Charles, Missouri. There is like a riverboat casino there too that, that I'm not really like a huge fan. It's like an Ameristar and I don't, I've never been to a casino. I don't plan on it. So there is this section of, um, St. Charles. It's, it's, his, it's called historic Main Street mm -hmm. and it's this, cobblestone section of town where it's these like old houses and shops that haven't really been altered much as far as I can tell on like the exteriors and, and, mo and some of the interiors too. Mm -hmm. Like it's clear when you walk in in some of these places, these used to be houses, Yeah, but there are some really cute little shops. There's like two or three like witchy crystal shops that I like to go to when I'm there. Um, there is one shop where I, I got some of my stickers. They do like spooky stuff and like anime. Uh, and there are some really good restaurants down there too. Hell yeah. And there is a hotel that you, that we stay at when we're there. That is basically just like a block away from historic, from the start of historic main street. Yeah. It's, it's basically like a end cap. And yeah. like basically once you walk out of either the underground parking garage or out the front door, either walk across the street or walk in the direction that's not shrubbed. Yeah. And you're in his... Ta-da, you're there. Yeah. And there are... There's ice cream shops. There's candy shops. That My two favorite restaurants mm -hmm. are uh, Salt and Smoke, 
Right. Which, which is, is a barbecue place. Yeah, I think that's one of four locations, I want to say. I think so. And um, I forgot to have the name of the other place already, so give me just a second. Which one is it? I can probably tell you. Uh, it's the fine dining one, or it's more fine dining. Oh. It's the one mom and I went to. Well, you look for that. Um, I will say in November, for a few weeks, they have Santa Clauses from all over the world walk up and down the streets during like the, day, the time that the shops are open and such. And they all have little cards kind of giving the history of that particular iteration of Santa Claus uh, or depiction of Santa Claus. Um, you know, Père Noël, St. Nicholas, you know, all, all those different things. So that's really cool. It's usually like from right after Thanksgiving until Christmas. And they've got folks that like will sell like cook, like fresh baked cookies and like hot cider and hot cocoa and stuff. And it is absolutely amazing on a chilly day if you're doing some like Christmas shopping or whatever. It's fantastic. Um, there have periodically been various uh, candy places that either move to other locations. Uh, there used to be a sauce shop. There did... still is. Oh, is it is it still there? Is Figaro still there? Or did they move? I don't know if it's called Figaro's, but there I know there is one shop that was there that sold like different like hot sauces. Yeah, Figaro's, and... Figaro's did hot sauces and coffees. Which just seemed like it was right up my alley, but most of them were flavored coffees, so, you know, there's that. But Pobody Snurfix, you know? Sorry, I'm trying to find the name of this place. You said this place is in St. Charles? It's in St. Charles. It's on the river. Okay. It's like right by the riverfront. Maybe it closed since I was last, since we were there in October. I don't know. I think it might have closed because I'm not finding it. Next time we, when mom and I go in October, I'll take a look around. Cause I think, I know I had them tagged in my Instagram story from when she and I went on vacation mm-hmm. and the photos are still there, but the tag is gone. Aww. So that makes me think they must have closed, which sucks because they had this amazing, it's a, it was a seasonal menu and they had this amazing coffee creme brulee mm-hmm. that had like this little house made like square of dark chocolate in it. Nice. So good. Uh, but yeah, Salt and Smoke is still is still there, and they're amazing. Really good barbecue. Magpies is good if you want like a sandwich or a, or some quiche, or some soup, or some soup. soup. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sugar and Slice Bakery is also really good. They have some amazing macarons mm-hmm. that I absolutely love. Yes. So okay, so that's St. Charles. The last place I have is more adulty. Ooh. Like not to say that St. Charles isn't. I mean. During October, they have like spooky Halloween type stuff going on, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, but this is like definitely, I'm not sure there's much to do here for, for small kids. Right. Uh, and that is Herman, Missouri. Oh, yeah. So Herman, Missouri is, there was, there's a large, like at one point in Missouri, there was a lot of German immigrants mm-hmm. that, that settled here. And so... When you're in Missouri, there's some things that you'll see here that seem very German, like food wise. And yeah. there's also a lot of German style wineries in Herman. Yes. And we, before we got married, we actually, my parents took us down to do like, to go around and do wine tastings. I remember this because you accidentally got a little tipsy because you hadn't eaten breakfast. Yeah. Cause I remember looking at your dad going, Hey, um, are we going to eat at some point? Because I don't know if I can really taste much more wine. Yeah. And we had like three other places to go. And I was yeah. just like, he's like, yeah, we're going to be getting lunch we're gonna after get, this. I'm we're like, going to get food cool. after this. Yeah. And then when they were getting samples of like cheeses and sausages and stuff, your mom and dad kept like saying, here, try this. See if you like this. Yeah. And, like, 
hmm, this is pretty good. Now, in hindsight, I realize they were probably just saying, let's get something. Let's get some food in him. We (laughs) forgot he doesn't eat breakfast. Well, and there's also up near there in, um, my dad, my folks always just call it Swiss Missouri. Mm -hmm. There is a place that makes like their own like summer sausage and bacon and stuff. And whenever my parents go to Herman, they go to the wineries and they go to like some of the wineries, they have, you know, restaurants and stuff on site. So you can get something to eat. Yeah. But then they'll also go to this shop that sells the the sausages and stuff that they make there and they'll stock up. Right. That, that's where I had that amazing schnitzel and spatzel. Yeah, I think that was at uh, Stonehill Wineries. Could be. Uh, it was either Stonehill Winery or Hermann Hoff had a restaurant that had schnitzel and spatzel. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's German style. It's all these German style wineries. So the restaurants typically have like German style foods. Hermann in October is Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of the few places I've ever gotten to have uh, ice wine, mm-hmm. which is my favorite wine. Ice wine is a very, it's very expensive because basically the the grapes are harvested during a frost. So they're harvested and processed basically while they're partially frozen. And it lends a very specific kind of sweetness. But because of that, there's not a lot of it. They don't make a lot of it. And so like one bottle is like $30. Yeah. But it's so delicious. So yeah, those are some places you can go in Missouri that are, you know, fairly inexpensive. I know when we went to, when we went on our vacation to St. Charles, we stayed for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. The most expensive part of our trip was our hotel. Yeah. Like the next, the second most expensive thing was just the food. Because we were going there mainly as food tourists. Yeah, kind of. Just making notes and taking pictures and, or I was taking pictures. Yeah. You can go back through my Instagram stories and see <laughs> all the barbecue that we've eaten. But yeah, I think we've jawed on long enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is good. It's been a good road trip, but it's time for you to get out. Yeah. Fuck out of the car. Come on, Gary. Get out of the car. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding, Gary. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, as always, you can follow us on our social medias. We have a website, h2horrorcast.com. You can sponsor us on Patreon if you feel so inclined patreon.com slash h2horrorcast you can also rate and review us on platforms where that is an option indeed and uh all right until next time i'm tia and i'm still david and stay spooky friends but music for this episode is save us now by shane ivers our artwork is by katherine nixon